This is the Thorn Podcast, the show that navigates the complex world of wellness and explores the latest science behind diet, supplements, and lifestyle approaches to good health. I'm Dr. Robert Roundtree, Chief Medical Advisor at Thorne and Functional Medicine Doctor. And I'm Dr. Frank Lipman, New York Times bestseller and Functional Medicine Doctor. As a reminder, the recommendations made in this podcast are the recommendations of the individuals who express them and not the recommendations of Thorne. Statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Thorn Podcast. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. You know, every day seems to be uh, to bring its own set of surprises. You know, we're, huh. we live we live in a topsy turvy world. I, I've, I'm finding that I uh, get a lot of enjoyment out of reading these days. You know, staying at home, you know, has really kind of pushed me to to find a great novel and and curl up with a book at night, which is that's new for me. I've usually been out on the road traveling and never have time to read books. <laughs> so I'm, I'm reading a great book now called The Poisonwood Bible by uh, Barbara Kingsolver, which has got some great discussions about life in Africa. Yes. Right. Uh, she's great, Barbara Kingsolver. Yeah. Anyway, I wish I had time to read those books. But anyway, I'm I'm enjoying my grandson, so I can't... Uh... Well, that's an, that's its own narrative. Yeah, I agree. I mean, grandchildren are so much easier and more fun than children, I've got to say. Anyway, everybody, <laughs> let's start talking about what, what we are here to talk about. And today's topic is headaches. Yeah. And headaches are really interesting. I got into seeing a lot of patients with headaches when I started off on this journey in functional medicine, integrative medicine in the 80s. I started, I came through the acupuncture world. Mm. And obviously, a lot of people come to an acupuncturist with headaches. Yeah. And what I ascertained over all these years of doing acupuncture, the causes of headaches are multifactorial. But my angle is sort of a little bit warped as opposed to a traditional functional medicine doctor because I see most headaches or a lot of people who have what is sort of labeled as tension headaches. But a lot of, almost all the headaches I see, there's a big aspect of tension, whether it's in the neck and shoulders, uh, the jaw muscles, but it's a, there's muscular tension that needs to be released. Now, I'm not saying all headaches are that, are, are that because they're obviously hormonal causes, their food, could be food sensitivities, but I'd say almost all the headaches, not almost, but a, a major percentage of the headaches uh, that I've seen over the years, there is a muscular tension component, whether it's tight jaw muscles, tight neck muscles, tight muscles around, you know, at the base of the skull. Um, but, you know, maybe it's my bias as an acupuncturist, but I always go there first, sort of releasing that tension. What's your, what's your take, Bob? Well, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking the, the great paradox is that the brain does not feel pain. Oh, that's a great, yeah. right? The, the, the biggest collection of nerve cells in the body, the brain, has no sensitivity to pain. That's interesting. Never, ever, ever thought of it like that. That's fascinating. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, so that fits in with what you're saying is that w when people say I have a headache, it's more head pain, that they're having head pain 
and it's probably in you know one of the structures that supports the brain the blood vessels the muscles the meninges so the meninges feel a lot of have a, a lot of pain sensitivity which is why if a person has the you know infection of the meninges meningitis they can have the worst headache of their life or if they've got a um, say an aneurysm in a blood vessel you know, that can cause really, really severe pain. So the blood vessels that supply the brain are can be a major source of pain, as can be the, the scalp, you know, the muscle. So that's really the job of the doctor for when somebody comes in with a head pain syndrome is to try to figure out what the source is. Everybody has headaches. That is very, very unusual for a person to say, I've never had a headache my whole life. If somebody told me that, I would say... I think you've missed something here because that's, you know, it's a normal part of human existence. The problem is when somebody has chronic headaches or severe debilitating headaches that right. send them to bed for a day or two. Right. So, yeah, that, that's a, a good point. So, how do you, what do you, when someone comes to you with headaches, what is your modus operandi? How do you go about dealing with them? Um, well, again, People don't usually come in because they have occasional headaches. They come in because there's something, either the headaches are not that bad, but they're happening a lot. Or when they do happen, they're so severe that it it knocks them out. So those are are the people that go in to see a doctor. And so my job, first of all, is to make sure there's nothing terrible going on, to make sure they don't have an infection, a bleed into the brain or a brain tumor or something like that. Now, those are rare causes of headaches, but not that rare. I've diagnosed all of them in my patients. I've, you know, diagnosed brain tumors. I've diagnosed people with bleeds in the brain. I, you know, I I saw a guy that had fallen on the ice and hit his head and a month later was having daily headaches. Yeah. I insisted on him getting a brain scan, and sure enough, it showed uh, what's called an epidural hematoma. So these things, you know, I don't want to discount them. They're they're not the usual cause of headaches, but they're common enough that they shouldn't be discounted. And if you are having bad headaches after an injury, then don't hesitate to be insistent with your doctor that you've had a proper workup. So I think now that MRI scans of the brain are less expensive than they used to be, you know, and and there's no radiation from an MRI, I'm fairly quick to order them in somebody that has anything unusual about their headache. So that my modus operandi, first of all, is to make sure there's nothing really serious going on. Right. And then secondly, I want to know what the triggers are. Right. Is if a person says, well, I get a headache every time I drink red wine or eat a fermented food, or eat gluten, or something like that. That's that's very helpful. So for people with recurrent headaches or, or chronic headaches, then keeping a diet diary, I think, can be really instructive. And many times a person will say, I don't know what the triggers are. And then they keep a diet diary, and they go, isn't that weird? Every time I eat this certain food, that's when I get a headache. Or they might say, every time I oversleep or undersleep, I get a headache. These lifestyle factors often play a bigger role than people realize. So I, you know, we'll have people, again, do a pretty good track of, you know, how they're eating, whether exercising and stress. Stress clearly plays a role as well. And many people will deny that they're under that much stress. And then I say, well, tell me about your life. And then they say, you know, I've got 
five kids. You know, I work seven days a week. I never get time for myself. And then, you know, the explanation becomes really obvious. As I was saying before, I always, um, I mean, I always also want to see if they're cyclical, if they're hormonal, because often, especially women, have um, can have period uh, <clears throat> headaches around their periods, often before, but sometimes, you know, different times of their periods. I find I get a headache when I'm dehydrated. That's one of my oh. signs of, you know, because as we get older, we don't recognize when we're thirsty. Yeah. When I'm when I start getting a headache, it's sort of one of my keys to ah, I need to drink some water, mm-hmm. which has made me realize that dehydration can be a trigger as well. But one of the first things are you know when people come in with headaches, you know I'll go back to what I said earlier. There's often muscle tension components. So I just I'll, I'll feel their neck, look for trigger points in their shoulders mm-hmm. and their neck, and feel at the base of their skull. Feel their jaw muscles because jaw, tight jaws yeah. are extremely common causes of headaches. And it's funny, I used to, I don't have it anymore. I used to have these trigger point charts in my office, which are, you know, these lovely colored trigger points. And they show the trigger points and the radiation of those trigger points. And there are so many trigger points in the neck, the front of the neck, the back of the neck, the jaw muscles, the muscles at the, at the base of, of the skull that often get tight with, you know, you talked about stress, with tension, people don't even realize it. And you actually press on them and it causes headaches and causes that radiation. An important part for me with headaches, and apart from the history, is actually feeling, you know, feeling for muscle tension and trigger points in the neck, base of the skull, jaw, etc. You know, I could. it's been interesting to me to kind of watch the evolution of how the neurologists think about headaches which is there used to be two clear categories. One category was the headache is caused by some kind of muscle spasm, contraction. And the other category was a migraine, Migraine. which was a, quote, sick headache. And that was characterized by the fact that the person felt nauseated, had sensitivity to light. You know, they had all these other factors that, you know, were attributed to what's called sterile inflammation. It was almost like a migraine was a kind of chronic, drawn-out seizure. And so the thinking was that it was one or the other. Yep. Either a person has migraines or they've got tension headaches. And now what I've seen in the medical literature is that it's thought of as a continuum. Yep. And, that, and that's interesting because, as you said, a person can have a trigger point in their neck, but then that sets off a migraine. Exactly. That's exactly... That's interesting that you bring that up. I, I, I have no idea, so I'm out of touch with the literature. But, I mean, I am in touch with patients, and they either come in being told by, that, by their doctor that they're having migraines. And I would say 90% of the migraine cases that I see, once again, have you know they could be having migraines because they, their headaches are often triggered by whether it's bright light or whatever trigger it is, weather changes. Almost all of those patients do have some trigger points or some tension. So, yes, it's not an either or. And I always tell people, you know, the, it's a meaningless name, a migraine headache. You know, you know, why are you having these headaches? So that's interesting that the literature is actually showing that because that's definitely been my clinical experience over the last 30 odd years. Because, as I said, with acupuncture, I've seen so many people with chronic headaches and there's usually the spectrum of, Yes, there's this underlying tension, and then the headaches are triggered by whatever the trigger is, and you release 
that underlying tension and those triggers don't become so much of a factor. But then there are these other factors that we, we have to address. You know, we talked about the dehydration, whether it's weather changes, foods are common, hormones are common. What are the other triggers that, that you look for? So, so for me, it's looking for this underlying tension, releasing the tension. But then there's often other factors too that need to be addressed. What, in your experience, are those other factors? Well, certainly you can find food allergies that are triggers. And you know, that's, I've seen that more common in the person that say they're getting a headache a couple of them a week or more often every week. It's going to be harder to track down if they say, well, I get a headache once every month or two. That's pretty challenging to track with a food diary. But somebody that's getting headaches all the time, I want to know, is there something that they're eating that's triggering it? There have been some pretty interesting studies on you know, the, what we call migraines, showing that, that food allergies can be a trigger. It's not really an allergic reaction. It's an inflammatory reaction. So that's certainly something that I think about is, you know, having somebody keeping a diet diary and tracking to see if there's anything they're eating all the time that might be a trigger. And it can be really surprising. It's not just gluten. It's not just dairy. I've had people say, oh, I took out the cashews and I stopped having headaches. I'm right. like, really? I, you know, what's the mechanism of that? We don't completely understand it, but I think that's worth tracking. The other thing is nutritional deficiencies, especially magnesium. Right. Yeah. I've known since medical school that you can treat what what's called a migraine headache or a, a bad headache with intravenous magnesium. Yep. You know, that's yep. that's in the medical literature. That's not alternative medicine at all. So if you know, example is women with preeclampsia during pregnancy which is a situation where the whole nervous system gets keyed up and, uh, you know, the woman could be having seizures and severe headaches, et cetera. And that and preeclampsia is treated with magnesium, with intravenous magnesium or, or intramuscular magnesium. So we know that magnesium calms down the nervous system. So I'm, I'm a big fan of magnesium. There's data that B vitamins, especially riboflavin, yep. you know, in higher doses and 200 milligrams a day doses can help. Coenzyme Q10 yep. can be very helpful. So you have to ask, well, what's going on here if all these diverse nutrients can be helping? I think it's mitochondria. I think if the, the mitochondria, either in the blood vessels surrounding the brain or maybe in the neurons themselves, if the mitochondria are not working properly because they're deficient in CoQ10 or magnesium or B vitamins, then the mitochondria behave erratically, the neurons fire erratically, and that sets off a, a reaction, you know, in the blood vessels or someplace in the brain that's causing it to happen. Yeah, that's interesting. And I often, when people come in with an acute, now I've had so many patients over the years who've known when they have an acute headache, they come in and I give them a Myers cocktail, and uh -huh. which actually takes their headaches away almost immediately. And as you, point you should tell out, people what that is, so they don't think a Myers cocktail is vodka or, right. or tequila. <laughs> so Myers cocktail is basically <laughs> just an intravenous mix of of uh, it's a shot of vitamins. It's basically magnesium, vitamin C, uh, a B complex. I do a, a B. 
B's and uh, B12. I have my compounding pharmacist make up this mix. And, you know, some normal saline, some, some calcium. But the big things are the magnesium, the B's, the B12, the vitamin C. And I often add some glutathione as well. So that's my, my Myers cocktail. And I shoot it up over five, 10 minutes, intravenous. And I'd say most headaches, well, obviously it's a, it's a specific oil. And people who know, because I've done it over the years, coming for it. It works a lot of the time, most of the time, in fact. Yeah, you wonder why this isn't more of a mainstream kind of thing. No, I agree. It's It should be something that they use in emergency rooms. I mean, it's just it's one of those crazy things that, you know, you know it's an either or. It's Western, uh, as you always point out, this is not this is not alternative. This is just good medicine. And it's such an easy treatment and there's no toxic effects you don't have to give people these drugs that knock them out and that they can only take a certain amount per month Um, it's quite a benign easy treatment you know sometimes i think the narcotics that they give for headaches don't so much relieve the pain as they make you not care if you have the pain (laughs) right no absolutely (laughs) no no We'll just give you enough codeine or Demerol or something until you feel so stupid that you just lay there in pain, but you know you're not worried about it anymore. Right. So, uh, uh, so we've talked about what are the we've talked about food triggers. We've talked about weather seems to be an issue for yeah. some people as well. And uh, yeah, I wonder about histamine. Like, yes. can you say something about histamine and headaches? There's not that much I can say, but I do think there's often a, a correlation between a histamine response and, and headaches. So, you know, I've always sort of put that down to food sensitivities, but I think it goes beyond food sensitivities because people can get a histamine response and they do get a release of histamine from, not only from food. So I think, yes, I think you're probably right. I've never thought of it that way, but I think you're probably right. I think quick release of histamine probably can trigger headaches. Well, one reason I was thinking about that is because there was at least one study on ginger caps, that ginger caps can help stop a migraine headache. And I've I've used that a number of times with my patient, and I've not been clear whether the mechanism was the anti-inflammatory effect of ginger or, you know, that it's got a histamine blocking effect or what. But uh, but I do, you know, see people that say, hey, I can take ginger and it works as well as the drugs. Right. And the bottom line here, just to summarize this for everyone, is although the, everything, all these, the pain in the head is labeled as a headache, there's so many different types of headaches. Headaches are fairly complicated. There's not, you know, it's not just a tension headache or a migraine headache. There's so many causes or triggers for this vague pain someone feels in their head that we we label them all as headaches i think headaches are fairly complicated it's not it's not just you have a headache here's a simple pill for a headache certain headaches as you point out may be histamine related other headaches may be tension related other headaches may be mitochondrial maybe a, a loss of mitochondrial function i think that's the bottom line here that Headaches aren't that simple that there's one cause and one treatment. I do want to throw in one thing, though, to make make sure we're clear about this, is that some people do get dependent anti-inflammatory drugs or painkillers, and that, that can actually make headaches worse. So 
You know, I've seen the person that pops two or three Excedrin every day for months or maybe even years. And so just want to point out to our listeners that that in itself can be a cause of the headaches is a person can get into a cycle, you know, where they're they're so dependent on these painkillers or anti-inflammatories that that's actually worsening the headache. But interesting. Okay, folks, now we've got to take a short break. And when we get back, we'll take some questions from the community. You put in the work training at the gym, on the court, at the track, pushing your body to the limit. Now, maximize those results and unlock your inner champion with Thorne's high-performance sports nutrition line. With pre-built fitness bundles like Thorne's Training Bundle, you can jumpstart your training and fitness routines and take your performance to the next level. Thorne offers the most comprehensive line of NSF certified for sport products on the market, making Thorne the unquestioned leader in quality and innovation in sports nutrition. Visit thorne.com to learn more. That's T-H-O-R-N-E.com. So we're back. Now it's time to answer some questions from the community. Our first question this week comes from a listener who asked, what are the different types of headaches? Do you want to sure. talk about that? We've addressed that somewhat, but maybe just Yeah, to but I think clarify. this is important. It's a very important question. So let's just reiterate it. Although classically, most headaches are described as either tension or migraine headaches, but headaches are much more complicated. Headache is just a name for this vague, this pain you're getting in your head. But there are many different triggers and many different causes. So I think a migraine headache, when people get labeled with a migraine headache, they may have a combination of some tension in their neck and shoulders and their jaw, and then that's triggered by a food sensitivity or a lack of magnesium or, or, or some other factors. So I think it's more important to think of not just putting a label on a headache, but trying to look at what is causing the headache. And once you look at what the underlying causes are, you address those. I think that's a healthier way of looking at headaches than labeling the, you know, what type of headache you have. So Bob, you know, here's another question from someone in our community, which you sort of addressed in the beginning, but also important, I think we need to reiterate. How long can I have a headache before I should see a doctor? Well, it really depends on whether this is a new headache and whether the severity of the headache is different. If there's something significantly different about the headache, then I encourage a person to see the doctor right away. And if somebody that's never had headaches and then suddenly, you know, has a headache that really makes them feel ill or, you know, nauseated, vomiting, etc., then they should see a doctor about that. It may be nothing, but, you know, you don't want to miss a bleed into the brain or an infection or something like that. So, again, it depends on the, you know, the whole scenario, how long, you know, if a headache goes on for more than a few days, then I think it's worth at least talking to a doctor. Again, how severe is it? If a person says, well, I just kind of had this nasty headache for 
four or five days, but it doesn't really interfere with my lifestyle. I can do what I want, but, you know, something's not right. You know, eventually you really should consult with somebody about that. But again, the biggest question is, is this significantly different than headaches you've had before? Is it significantly worse? You know, the big red flag for me is somebody who says, this is the worst headache I've had in my life. When I hear that, I think you need a full tilt workup. Right. So, Frank, what's the difference between a migraine and a headache? Is there a difference? Is it important? You've you've kind of addressed this, but just to come back. Yeah, I think it's important because I'd say so many patients come to me with their diagnosis or what they come to me with migraine headaches. And and once again, it's just to me, that's just a a meaningless label. Migraine doesn't really tell you why you're getting a headache. And I think it's more important to see why you're getting a headache than giving it a name. And, you know, as we said earlier, migraine headaches often are combined with tension headaches and, and, and other factors. So to get labeled with a migraine headache to me is totally meaningless. We always need to look to see why are you getting the headache. Let's see, do you have the tension? What are the triggers? And, you know, sometimes you can have a little bit of tension and you don't get a headache, but then you add on that a little bit of dehydration and then you eat the gluten or whatever food it is that triggers a headache and then, boom, you get a migraine. Or you're at the time of your period where you're more prone to a headache and, boom, you get the migraine. So there are often a, a, a number of factors working together. And if you have one of them, not a problem. Two of them, not a problem. But then the third trigger comes along and, boom, you get that acute migraine headache. So don't think of it you know, or, or, or start reframing the way you think of headaches. It's, I have a headache. Let's try ascertain why I have the headache. One thing that I might throw in, and I totally agree with you, is that headaches tend to get kindled, which is that, you know, what that means is the person who has a lot of headaches tends to have even more headaches and i think what happens yeah. is somehow the brain gets into a uh, a pattern and what you're talking about is breaking the pattern rather than just adding on a label and then blaming the person's symptoms on the label exactly you got migraines and so now we've got a diagnostic code for you and that's the end of the story instead you know the question is well, what's making the brain get more and more volatile like this? Right, exactly. Okay, thank you. And now a question for you. This is an interesting question. Why are headaches linked to skipping meals as opposed to stomach ache? And, and I'll add on another layer to this question, Bobby. So many people talk about getting migraines in their stomach. Mm, well, there is an abdominal migraine. It's more common in kids than it is in adults, but, you know, uh, abdominal migraines are, you know, are well described, you know, that particular phenomenon of abdominal migraines is thought to be a lack of blood flow, that something is not cut off the blood flow, but slowed down the blood flow to part of the intestines. And so that makes the neurons in the belly hurt. I think that's a little different. Yes, that's a little, sorry, I I confused the the questions, but yes, uh, quite correct. But the skipping meal thing, I, you know, the classic explanation for that is hypoglycemia. Yeah, it's not all of it, but it's certainly you know worth looking at. And people metabolize glucose in very different ways. Some people can go many many hours without eating, and their 
their liver continues to make glucose and keep the blood level steady. Other people are not very good at that glucose generation. It's called gluconeogenesis. Some people don't do that very well. And if they don't eat every two hours, their blood sugar plummets. That's an easy thing to check. And I often do that in people who have this complaint that every time they miss a meal, they get a bad headache. I just have them get a standard glucose meter used for monitoring diabetes. You can get them at any drugstore. They're inexpensive. They don't require a doctor's prescription. And, you know, I have a person just check their blood sugar because then you've got your answer right away. And why is that important? Because then they know they've got to eat something. Now, you know, is that something? Should it be a glass of orange juice or should it be, say, some nut butter on a cracker? I would prefer to go with the nut butter on the cracker. Right. And now we can use these continuous blood glucose monitors, which I think are going to become more standard. Now that they're cheaper, the CGMs are cheaper and easier to get. I I actually got a an email from one of the companies that makes it, Freestyle Libre, saying, hey, do you want free samples? Yep. So, and I said, sure. And the next thing I know, a week later, there's some, there's a box of CGMs at my office. So I've actually been started giving them out to patients. Again, I think hypoglycemia is probably the most common cause of this. And it's an easily remedied scenario, but I don't think it's always hypoglycemia. So that's why I don't just assume right. that that's the problem. But I, I think, you know, checking actually checking blood sugar to find out is a is a really good place to start so here's a question for you that i think we've already addressed but just to go back on are headaches in happening in the brain or in some other part of the head well as you pointed out so well early on bob the brain doesn't feel any pain so yeah you're getting the headaches around the structures of the brain um so the the, the pain's not coming from the brain the pain's coming from the muscles or, or other structures. The blood vessels. Right, the blood vessels around the brain. But the next question sort of leads into that. Why are headaches behind my eyes? Yeah, I think it's the muscle. I mean, you're, the muscles behind your eyes, are. you know, there's a lot of them. <laughs> and eye strain headaches are really common. Yeah, and what I've seen a lot, a lot of the trigger points, if you're having a pain behind your eyes, just push the, the muscles at the base of your skull, where your muscles insert into the base of your skull. Trigger points there often radiate to the front of your eyes. I often do that when I examine someone. I sort of start pressing around and I see where the pain radiates. And often those trigger points at the base of the skull actually radiate to, to behind the eyes. So that's often related to tension. I once saw an acupuncturist that put a needle between my eye and my and my nose, the bridge of my nose. Yep. That was a harrowing experience <laughs> to have somebody put a needle that basically looked like it was going right into my eye. I'm like, I'm sure that's a standard acupuncture point, right? Yep. That's a standard, right. Okay. So, so <laughs> just make sure you put it in correctly. So last question before we end, Bob. You know, we've also sort of addressed, but the last question is what, uh, what is good for headaches? If a person is really debilitated in severe pain, then I might use something really strong. But the research shows that you really don't need anything much stronger than ibuprofen or naproxen. Yeah. Right. That narcotics don't really help. And I, I joked about that. But the narcotics just make you feel stupid and you don't care, but don't necessarily help the pain. 
So if a person's really out of it from the pain, then I would use, you know, a high dose of a, of a non-stroidal anti-inflammatory drug. But then I've often used willow bark extract. Yeah. I've found that willow bark extract can be helpful. I've used ginger in high doses. I've sometimes used feverfew. That can be really helpful. Sometimes antihistamines, interestingly enough, can be helpful. Even something as simple as Benadryl. I often will have people use a, a liniment, you know, like Tiger Balm. Like, and I'm sure you know about that. Yeah, and, and those are also the oral thing. And then the manual work is really, you know, apart from yeah. the IVs, the, the IV magnesium and, and bees, but the manual work, acupuncture and then deep tissue release um, is incredibly yeah. helpful. Just releasing the tension in the muscles and then continuing that with yoga and stretches and you, you know, you can actually get these, it's sort of like a wooden, it's not really a foam roller, it's something wooden that you can actually release the tension in the muscles yourself. So I think manual release is really important as well. So if we're assuming that, you know, the headaches are not in the brain, they're in the blood vessels or in the structures around the brain, then what you're saying is perfectly logical and it just makes a lot of sense to say, well, then let's decompress that tension. Right. And and the good news, folks, is most headaches do not need drugs. There's no need to get addicted to opioids or any other drugs. Headaches can be managed fairly easily with manual therapies, lifestyle changes, and, and some of these supplements. So thank you, folks. That's all the time we have this week. Thank you, Bob, for all your wisdom. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Till the next time. All right. Be safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Thorn Podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice. If you've got a health or wellness question you'd like answered, simply follow our Instagram and shoot a message to at Thorn Research. You can also learn more about the topics we discussed by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 daily blog. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to join us next time for another episode of the Thorn Podcast.